My name is Danny Moreno, and welcome to the Trading for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. I am into it. Okay. I really want to, to feel the pain of running for a long time. Welcome to episode 215 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode. This is sort of like a fan favorite. Anytime I have Danny Marino on, everyone's excited, everyone's happy, and I, I just think she had an incredible OCC. And I, I haven't had time to go back and look through the records, but... She very well might be the only American to ever place in the top three ever, uh, which is just huge. It deserves more media coverage and just really thankful to catch up with a friend. Enjoy this episode. Big shout out to you, Patreon supporters. You've heard this episode. You get a sneak peek at most of my episodes. Couldn't do this without you guys. Really appreciate your support. Big shout out to Exoskin. If you haven't already, check out their toe socks, regular socks, compression gear. It's all super high quality. Check out the show notes for the best coupon available for Exoskin. They've been a huge supporter of everything I do. Big shout out to Tannery Outdoors. As runners, we spend a lot of time outdoors in the sun. It's important that we're protecting our skin. Tannery offers clean sun care products like SPF lip balms, mineral sunscreen, and thereafter sun restorative moisturizer. Tannery just launched a new product, which is their traditional sunscreen. This leaves zero white cast and similar to the mineral sunscreen in that it is sweat resistant and packaged from recycled materials. This is a great company, high quality products. Definitely check them out. Check out the show notes for a coupon code for Tannery Outdoors. That was way too short, Danny. <laughs> welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been way too long. For the listeners' background, we had Danny on. I think the episode was something about like it was like your breakout performance. Like you we could see like you're building momentum. The race was in Europe last year. I'm trying to recall which race that was. Yeah, that w- probably would have been uh, Ola Denuria, which was the first stage of the Golden Trail World Series last year. And um, 
yeah, it's pretty crazy to think how much has happened since that race. Uh, and that was last June. So just a little bit over a year. We knew you were breaking out. We we knew you had like stepped up your game. But yeah, for the listeners background, there's two episodes that Danny's been on. Some of the most fun conversations I've ever had. So check those out. But yeah, you're, I, I took note because you're in Chamonix. I was going to try to get my wife and I out there to have a celebratory beer with you, but catch us up uh, over the past year. I want to hear more about what's, what's taking place mostly, you know, with your races and whatnot. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been more of a whirlwind with racing since last June, because I probably have done collectively more international racing in the last you know, what would it be like 14 months than I probably did in like all my previous years combined. So I just really made a big um, effort and commitment to competing, you know, across the pond and trying to challenge myself with uh, different competitors with different strengths um, to see just how I could become a overall better athlete. And uh, yeah, so that, you know, amongst all of that, I also changed career paths at my construction technology job that I have. Um, And then I also moved to Mammoth Lakes, you know, right before I really started committing to this, you know, I guess, new intention for my career. Um, So yeah, it's been it's been really cool. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun, to be honest. I mean, again, for the listeners background, we love Danny, because she loves short trail and ultra races and she's not caught up in trying to impress sponsors or anything like that to do hundreds. She sticks with what she loves. And I mean, is that still the case? Are you still loving that kind of 50 K and in Mark? Yeah, no, definitely a hundred percent. It's kind of crazy though, because (laughs) I've only done, I've raced 150K, which was when we first talked. That was the USA 50K champs. And then, uh, you know, this, I guess it was last week, which is crazy to think about. The OCC was my second 55K. Like, most of my races have still been, like, between 21 and 42K. So, half marathon to marathon. Um, But, yeah, no, I definitely really, really love it. Um, I am kind of, like, starting to have a a genuine interest in potentially you know starting to explore longer options Uh uh-oh again it's we gotta end this conversation now (laughs) (laughs) it's taken years uh to get to that point to even be somewhat interested in and um the kind of way that i see it going is like my focus is still going to be on that marathon distance you know for the next year and a half or so but i may sprinkle in like a like a hundred k or something like that um just to like try it out and see how what's changed why why would you uh, be looking beyond 55k now um i think it's just uh maybe i'm craving a, a different type of challenge because uh I do have somewhat of a, I, I say obsessive, but sometimes obsessive has like a negative connotation to it. I guess like more, I just get really hyper-focused on things that I, I love and, and want to get good at. And so, you know, I've been trying to really get better and better at that marathon distance. And 
I don't think like I'm the best I could possibly be, but I feel like I'm at a point now where, you know, I'm kind of satisfied with it. And I know what that distance feels like. I'm starting to get more, just so much more experience under my belt that I'm kind of um, craving like a little bit of a different challenge. So it's almost like, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Um, no, <laughs> no, I forgot we have the same brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like literally that's exact. You just summarized me like besides the marathon thing, um, yeah. hyper focus, like, and I, I love how you contextualize the, uh, like being obsessive. I mean, it's hard to be successful at anything if you're not passionate all in on it, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, um, yeah, I think obsessive is, is sometimes what people call people that <laughs> maybe they don't understand the type of uh, psychosis that's going on with like their relationship with something. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it it's also just like a different periodization because I, I like doing periodizations. I like doing like, you know, like a roadblock or like more speed oriented and then, you know, kind of laying those in a way that then translate to uh, different trail blocks and stuff. And so I think I'm just craving like a long, a longer distance block. And so that's why the hundred K is kind of uh, sparking my interest. Not to go like way down the side road here, but explain that if you're like just tuning in, yeah, listeners inspired to hit the trails for the first time they saw you at OCC uh, explain that, periodization process that you enjoy yeah so um like (laughs) it's kind of interesting because you know there's short-term periodization then there's long-term periodization and i feel like you know i had one for this year and then i actually have one and it's not just me like this this fully credit to my coach and you know i i understand the why and then I, i buy into it but um essentially like this year I started with a track block kind of like January through or December through February. And then from there I just started increasing the distance. So then I started incorporating like more road tempos. Um, and then I think it was finally in uh, May where I started to start doing like more hill repeats and stuff. And um, I just find that that works for me because uh, it reinforces like good form habits and it keeps my mind like always interested uh in the long-term goal whereas i feel like for me personally if i just did trail and hill repeats all year long the long-term goal would seem kind of it might lose some of its uh spark because you're just doing the same for the entire time can i can i admit something to you yeah i was i was filming uh matt daniels at western states i'm it I'm in like this SUV. We're going to go pick up pizzas for Matt. He's chilling out. Lauren Daniels. And then I think Matt's parents. And anyways, we we were in conversation and uh, Lauren, his wife was like talking about workouts. And I was like, what are workouts? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. Like I had no idea how much structure can go into running like my i'm still very very 101 on all of that it seems like this structure and having a coach is really beneficial to you 
I botched every workout that Matt Daniels uh, had laid out for me. Um, <laughs> like every one to the point where I was feeling bad about running because I was screwing up the workout so bad. No. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me more about like the structure. It seems like that's, that's helping you and, and tell me more about your coach and how that's been playing out for the last year. Um, first off, uh, that's not uncommon. So don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, I feel like every single <laughs> workout I screwed up. All right. Sorry. Um, it's, it's hard. It's a hard concept. And like, uh, I guess for everyone, it's like, I, I've been running since I was pretty young. And so, you know, it's taking me, I, I've had years and years to grasp an understanding of how to like build optimal optimal fitness for myself and you know through all of those years i've had different coaches with different methodologies as well to help me understand that and to even like get to the point i am today like i experienced many 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 failures probably more failures than successes overall percentage wise and you know some of those failures were resulted in injury because I just like didn't know how to like lay or uh, to embrace this structure and like real the realization of the benefits that come from having a structure. Um, but essentially it's like a overall, it's like a laid out push and pull mechanism and it's um, like these guardrails that essentially tell me like when to push and when to relax and then that, you know, in a way, like, layers in the, um, like, VO2 capacity and my ability to develop strength to hold speed longer, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. And I find it just works for me where, where I am right now, like, as a, a runner and a person. Because, you know, for probably not until 2019 did I, like, fully embrace structure again post-collegiately like 20 2015 to 2019 like it was really hard to get me to follow a plan if like i follow tried to follow one at all yeah that's interesting i mean i was i was writing early in the morning today and i was like i i wrote someone had, had asked me like tips for newcomers and i wrote like no single training run will make or break your race but your training run can break you I mean, how have you learned to listen to your body closer to know those signals of, okay, I'm supposed to be doing an eight-mile tempo, but my body's saying, like, this is a high-risk moment? Yeah, it's it's hard. And, it, like, you know, I was coaching for about a year and a half uh, not too long ago, and it's hard to teach it really does take like i think a handful of experiences for a runner to exactly yeah yeah like you kind of just need to go out there and do it and like immediately i think you need to go out there and just fail and kind of yes not be scared of failing and kind of fail hard um you know it's kind of like it's part of the process i mean exactly. that's the thing yeah yeah it, in the end it's like it's it is part of the process uh, which is just 
I don't know why you saying that just like brought back so many memories. <laughs> I've heard that so many times in my life. Um, and yeah, it's, it is just part of the process. And yeah. Danny, you're not, you're not failing hard right now. I'm a little concerned about you. <laughs> yeah, you, you're doing really well, but you're not failing. Come on. Are you really pushing yourself? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So um, prior, prior to uh, Mont Blanc's marathon, what, what race were you doing? I want to hear about the buildup into these international races and then peel back the, the curtain a little bit on international races. Like, should I be intimidated to go race in a foreign country? And, and tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like prior to Mont Blanc, like I had last year, which last year was a big year for me in that um, it just grew a lot of confidence and it was like the most I had run internationally. So I just got really in tuned and used to the, I would, I would call it noise is kind of what it is around the competition. There's a lot of like, I think consistently across the board, if you go to a European race, uh, you know, and you look of it, look at its, you know, cross um, partner in the U.S. So, like, say for UTMB, it's uh, Hard Rock or Western States, and then say for Mont Blanc Marathon, it's um, I don't know, maybe something like the Rudder Broken Arrow. They aren't d- directly like across in like the depth of conversation competition and stuff but just like the height of awareness around it um it's just kind of like it's crazy (laughs) over there it it, almost every race like most of the races are broadcasted in some sort of way uh there's always like a an elite presentation where people from the town and participants come and see who the top contenders are um pretty much every international race i've been to there's a press conference which you know, I still have yet to see a press conference at a U.S. race, or at least that I know of. Um, so there's just like a lot going on. Um, but, you know, there, there's still a couple of races that are smaller. Um, so, yeah, I just think if you go and race in Europe, just like expect it to be more of a, a I don't know what you, how you would call it. I don't want to call it an event. It's technically an event, but there's just a lot going on. Um, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's like deal. It, it's, lo- it's just they love it there. Uh, like it's, I just think about like how many races you have in the U.S. that are in towns where the whole entire town or city is coming to watch that race. You kind of get that with like the major marathons, but not with trail running quite yet. Whereas like in Europe, you go to any of these small towns, and like everyone from the town like is also part of the participants and spectators and i just think that's really cool i i mean at utmb i was like we're, we're on this big climb and the whole like local area had lined both the left and right side of this big climb up <laughs> and uh i i would kind of compare it to like nfl football fans in terms of how nuts these people were going for each and every ultra runner, like just climbing up a mountainside. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny you say that. I I mean I know exactly what you're talking about because I was talking to a friend since I've been back, 
And they're like, yeah, that looked crazy. Like, how did it feel to be there? And I was like, it was just kind of, I was like, maybe it was, it's the kind of feeling that maybe like someone gets at like Wrigley Field or Fenway or like, um, bigger Melbourne, you know, the the fans are going crazier. Yeah. Soccer, like European soccer or Barcelona, uh, Manchester. It's just like, you're just in this venue but the venue is this is a hundred miles. It's a mountain. <laughs> yeah. It's just wild. Um, but yeah, I love it. But you know, at the same time, it's, it's kind of interesting in the sense that, you know, I, I'll do one more uh, international race this year. Uh, the final of the golden trail series. And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of craving doing some more U S races next year. And cool. at least, for the first part of the summer because I kind of feel like I've been on this vacation <laughs> for the past two years <laughs> and I, I want to come back home and, you know, do do the the awesome stuff and, you know, do you come out come out and do a Leadville race? That's a good one. You if know, you I, if you do a Leadville race and I'm not doing it, I'll film you, okay? Okay. Cool. Um yeah, that series looks awesome. Uh, although your your partner's probably better at filming than I am. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen your social updates. They're getting really good. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it seems like you're embracing both your, the failure side of things, the suck in the training, you're getting a feel for the, the international races. Um, and, and what race had you done this year in the lead up to Mont Blanc Marathon. Trying to recall. Yeah, so this year I did. Uh, I guess I did do a U.S. race. It was first one in a minute. Um, the GoPro Mountain Games. They're in Vail every summer, and it's just a really, really cool event. Like you have all these different mountain sports going on for pretty much the entire week, and they have like music and vendors, and you know, just new stuff coming up out in the outdoor space. Um, and it's really cool, but they have, like, good prize money for, you know, athletes across the board. Um, and so, yeah, I did that one because they had a 10K option, and I just felt like it was a, a good tune-up before Mont Blanc Marathon. I I totally blanked on that. I, I remember thinking, dang it, like, I, I should have checked that out. Um, do you think that's going to become a more regular race for you, or was that a, a one-time event? Yeah, this was my second time doing it, um, and the first time I did it was years ago. Uh, part of that like non-committal era, like which was like the first part of my trail running career, um, and I just had so much fun. I, I was craving to go back, but uh, long story long, yeah, I think I'll definitely incorporate it hopefully next year um, because they just have like a good support system, and Colorado has so many <laughs> great runners that like that race always like by default has you know very very you know international level runners coming out every year which is pretty cool okay cool that's that's our film uh option for next year um mont blanc (laughs) marathon that's this is a serious race like i remember sage doing this every year when i was first learning about ultra running watching him go out and try it um, Killian is constantly doing this race. 
tell me more about like how this got on your radar and then how you absolutely crushed it. Thanks. Um, yeah, it, so it's been part of the golden trail world series pretty much, I think since the first one. And, uh, it, <laughs> admittedly, I was just like, that race has way too much climbing for where I'm at right now. Um, but it looked beautiful there a couple years ago, I was actually signed up for it. And then I had like a work schedule change. And, uh, so I couldn't go, um, but yeah, it's definitely been like on my list for a couple years. And this year it just finally made sense, which I was really happy about. And I knew I was going to do OCC and everyone kept telling me like, if there's some way you can see the trails out in Chamonix before you go out for OCC, it'll help a lot. Um, and so I was, since I was so committed to OCC, I was like, all right, that's going to be perfect. I'll do that in June. I'll be able to come home train and then go back um so yeah it it like honestly couldn't have gone any better i think in my opinion for my first time there um it's a really 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 hard course and uh it was just funny i think now looking back because in that race i think i went from like uh like eighth <laughs> to third in the okay. last on the I last thought it was, time that was gonna be a hundred like <laughs> oh no not too crazy okay <laughs> But it is still, I think I closed like five minutes or something. That's classic for you. Yeah. I remember last time we were talking and we were talking about both the climb and then like the absolute nuts descent that you did. Um, Was there a similar experience during that race where you're like basically going airborne for, (laughs) for some of the descent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really fast descent. It was kind of interesting because um, the last year, like the last two races of the Gold Trail World Series, like I typically was either like the fastest one on the last descent or like the second fastest or something. And so I was starting to feel really good about my last descents. And uh, third place, I had passed her right before the last descent in the Mont Blanc Marathon. And so I think part of me was like, don't fall and so I wasn't as <laughs> quite crazy as I typically would go but also everyone was like you could still catch second and I knew who was in second and uh she's a great downhiller but I was like oh maybe I could catch her so it was kind of like this I think I was having <laughs> it was almost like a movie like I had two little dandies on my shoulders like go faster you know and the other one's like no don't fall you're in third place like um so yeah, I felt like I was having an, an internal like dramatic struggle during that last <laughs> downhill. But um, yeah, it was pretty crazy because then I I pulled into town and fourth place like caught up to me again. And then I looked back at my pace because I just remember I was like, oh heck no! Like after all of this, you're not gonna catch me. And I ended up running like five minute pace for like the <laughs> last like 800 meters. And like see a suckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was really cool and you know, I just I was really happy with it, but I think what elevated so much more is I got so many um nice messages after that race, uh just saying like, Wow, like for your first time in Chamonix, like that's amazing and just a lot of comments that were like, First time in Chamonix, first time in Chamonix and I was like, Oh, this is like a thing, like this this place and like being able to perform here and kinda like make your mark is 
you know, highly sought after. Like, I kind of knew it, but then I was starting to really realize it. Like, oh, this is this is a place that has had so many great runners come through it that, like, when you could, when you are able to do a podium finish, like, it's very noted. And then on top of that, like, it's a huge race. Like, I had no idea. Like, I knew it was big, but then once I was there, I was like, wow, there are thousands and thousands of people here <laughs> and they're all crazy. excellent runners yeah and they're all amazing i only <laughs> i only message you when you have good results by the way thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah and then and then i think what blew my mind then is they're like this is nothing wait until utb i'm like this is nothing <laughs> what are you talking about and then at utb i'm like okay all those people were correct correct like this is even that was probably like 10 times bigger than Mont Blanc marathon um, but yeah, <laughs> why, why was OCC on your radar and, and so important in your head? Um, there's, uh, I feel like there's a couple of answers to this. Um, I think only, one, only the good ones. Okay. Only yeah. the good ones. Um, one of the things is that like for, so me being in the sub ultra distance, like I really know like what races are like the top tier uh, like depth of competition ones at this point. And then it's kind of weird, but there's this gap kind of where there's a couple of 50 K's, but not many that are also that also have kind of like that top tier, like gold star status for like me, but also like my competitors and, you know, sponsors across the board. And then there's kind of like you jump from the sub 50K and then the 100K, then there's a bunch more. And then, um, yeah, so I guess <laughs> long story long, like 50K, there's only a handful of races, at least that I am aware of, that like are, are gold stars. And this is one of them. And so that's why I just wanted to race there um, to to just test myself against like the best 50k-ish, right? Because it's a 55k runners in yeah. the world. Um, and so this being one of those handful races and then it happens to be in the mecca that is Chamonix, uh, just made it that much more appealing to me. I mean, I continue to think it's the Olympics of trail running and ultra running. Every, it takes place every year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was that your sense? It was like an Olympic village and that Honestly, the media coverage is probably equal to, uh, I don't know, maybe some events of the Olympics. I got to be careful. Uh, I've been quoted by them before. Um, <laughs> but no, I, would, I totally would you not agree? agree? Like, it's kind of Olympic Village, right? Yeah, it was wild. Um, I think they can do a much better job at highlighting the women. Um, but That's why I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it just... It, that was the only part. I mean, there's a, a few parts that I'm like, they can do a lot better. But yes, overall, um, the media coverage was pretty, pretty insane. And uh, it was kind of crazy because the day after my race, I went to go jump on like the CCC live stream because uh, they had three versions going on. They had a Spanish <laughs> and English and a French. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Corinne Malcolm, who was on it, she invited me to come and do like a short little like post-race interview on the English version. Cool. And so I was walking through the building and I was just like, Oh my gosh, there's like hundreds and hundreds of people here. 
they had like a, a press room where it's people just like typing away. Then they had another room where it looked like people had kind of like recorders in, in different like cubbies, you know, um, maybe was they're that, also working, but have audio. Was that the majestic or? Yes. the majestic. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was hanging like, out. Yeah. Oh, then, you know, it was just like, you felt like you're like in a New York times, uh, office. And then like, they have the whole live stream room, which, mm-hmm. you know, the war room with all the screens. And I was, just I stayed out. away from there. I was worried I was going <laughs> to trip on a cord and like kill the stream and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have like a jacket with rain and you like shake it off and, like, like uh. it flies and fries everything yeah it, it was crazy and i was like dang i mean i knew it took a pr- big production but when you see it in person it's uh oh it's hundreds of people yeah it just just for the streaming just to be able to watch it it's unbelievable truly yeah and then you think of all the camera people out there and stuff and yeah, it was uh, pretty dang cool. I'm glad you got to, to see that side of things because I've been on the other side where it's just like go to your hotel room, get your stuff ready, go run, try not to get pierced by a hiking pole and get your race done, go back to the hotel room. Um, So you, you got to see Chamonix. Like, you got to see – were you out there for a while or – uh, yes and no. So, like, I got to see it more, I would say, during the Mont Blanc Marathon, because I actually, like, stayed in downtown area, which was cool. It wasn't as chaotic. Um, and then the week of the race, Hoka got us a chalet, which was really nice of them. So we were staying a little bit out of town. But, yeah, I would say, like, I definitely get... I, ha- I have an experience of Chamonix during a race event at this point. Um which was nice. I probably won't stay um, as close in the future, I think, now that I've gotten a taste of it. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> Hoka has the best hotel in town. Oh, yeah. Well, we weren't at the hotel. It, it, it's not that I didn't <laughs> like the chalet either. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I just, like, um, I'm very, like, sensitive to a lot of energy, Um around me and so yeah i i knew that going into so yeah, tell me like tell me about that i mean i've i've lived in new york city like i know there's a buzz in city sometimes and like i mean are, are you are you referencing just trying to relax a little bit before your race or, or what are you what are you referencing there yes exactly just like which i, I was able to do and i think that's why I did well. Um, So I think I will just keep trying to do that essentially. Um, But I mean like not just the week of the race, like even the week before the race, like just feeling distance from it. So you don't feel like you're in it the entire time. I think is something I found just works really well for me. I, I mean, I've noticed from middle of the pack, back of the pack, like if I'm really stressed out a day or two before the race, my body can't tell the difference of the type of stresses. Is that what your perspective is from like an elite runner? Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, and I would say too, like um, the golden trail series has been really great in helping me train. I feel like for that, because um, it's, it's really cool, but we do like all of these like, elite presentations and media like the two to three days before the race um 
and so but usually with those races i also get to like go back to my own space and kind of like decompress whereas like with chamonix you're kind of always surrounded by people um through like your sponsors and stuff like that and so i think just like having your space to decompress is really important depending on who you are um yeah i i was blown away like marianne hogan was doing like three or four interviews a day in like the lead up uh before you and every one of them she's like you know totally focused and i i don't know how she does it seriously i don't know how you do it either um i mean you and, and truly it is training like the more ultras you do like before you know it you're showing up before the race like two minutes before before the start and like you're getting a little uh little lax um i mean your fitness level at least at least with the photos you're sharing on instagram no um your your fitness level seemed to be like going way up i mean tell me about the build-up into occ and then i want to hear more about like day before the race day of the race because you you look as fit as i've ever seen you like seriously danny crushing it you're crushing it thanks um yeah i think you know living at altitude now has definitely helped and it's really um how do i say this it's uh rewarding i guess in a way because like in 2020 it was kind of like when when we could live remote or work remote and i was talking to my partner and i was like hey you know you know, running, I'm starting to lean more into it at this point. And I feel like there's still a couple more, like, stones I can turn to help me become even better. And so that was a big reason of moving to Mammoth. And then alongside just, you know, being in a different place and being exposed to nature and stuff. But, like, admittedly, altitude was a really big part of that. Um, And so it's just cool to have flip that stone and I truly feel like I'm getting benefits from, you know, being up here and like, I'm actually starting to respond a lot better. Like it definitely took at least a year where like I started to feel more comfortable training at altitude and feeling like I know, I know how to handle it. Cause it is a, a completely different environment from uh, Santa Barbara, California, where sometimes you're uh, negative sea level. I've done um, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What was it, what was his reaction when you said that? Like, was was he like hugely supportive? Did he like have any kind of like, hey, Danny, you should think about this or like, it, and this is just two friends talking, you know? Like, no one else is yeah. listening. <laughs> um, no, he's always been like a thousand percent supportive. Uh, I think he took like the most. Uh, he was more ex- he's more excited than you <laughs> yeah um i think he took like the most understanding or gave me the most understanding response he's like that sounds like a good idea but like let's make sure like we weigh all the pros and cons of it for sure nice. um and so you know it wasn't like we made the decision in one day it definitely took like a couple of weeks figuring out like okay we are gonna move when are we gonna move how are we gonna move because we 
had just purchased a place in Santa Barbara. And so it was kind of like, wow, we just purchased this place and now we're going to move. Um, so yeah, I was just figuring that all out. But yeah, once, once we decided we were going, it was never, it was just like we were a unit and we're doing this. Um, and yeah, he, he is, he is thriving up here and he loves it. Um, which just makes me really happy. Um, that we get to stay here a little bit longer. Is, is he your biggest fan? Or is that, <laughs> is that like one of your parents? Or? Yeah, I think, well, it's hard to say. I feel like maybe my dad is my biggest fan because my dad. Me, like, too. Me too. He <laughs> yeah. listens to every podcast he's listening right now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, lo- he was a runner himself. Like, you know, out of everywhere in my family, he's probably the most into running loves running and loves like all like the he's a running nerd i guess when it comes down to it like myself and so like my mom and mike who is my partner like they are also very like much my biggest fans but they're not as big like running nerds you know so like my dad knows like all the things and who i'm competing against and oh you beat this woman this time oh you beat her or she beat you by this time last time you know so he knows all that stuff which is my, pretty my dad's gotten to the point where like emily Howgood has like awesome utmb i'm i'm still out in chamonix like you need to like give her a, a shout out on social media like <laughs> you guys are friends right <laughs> my dad I <love> that. <laughs> um he should run my my accounts god that'd yeah. be nice um <laughs> So, in into OCC, you you appear to be fit. You you appear to be happy. Um, it seems like all the major life changes have already taken place. So, like, where's your head at when you you get into Sh- Chamonix and I mean, you're picking up your bib. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because like the month leading up to OCC, actually, like. I feel like everything that I didn't want to happen was happening. Um, I like went to, so I had my aunt passed away, unfortunately, like a couple of weeks before I was leaving um, to Chamonix. And so then we like were waiting to hear on her funeral services. Um, And, Oh, I was also doing Sears and now, so I should say before I was leaving for Sears now, which was like me going over to Europe. Um, and then it, in between all of that, so I, I left Mammoth. I went to a work, uh, we call it like summits or offsites. And so that was a three day event at Carpinteria. And those are really exhausting for me because basically what you do is you like sit in the office all day and they're very long days and there's just like no breaks kind of, um, and then afterwards you do like air quotes, like team bonding, um, which is really cool because trust you know, falls. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I mean, that's of the, of the grain, uh, which I totally get is really important because we're all working remote. And so it's just, you know, to yeah. enforce camaraderie and stuff. Um, so that part is really fun, but because like during those events, I'm also running, I, going back to like that moment to decompress like i don't get that when i do those um because i like i'll wake up at like 5 30 or 6 go for a run go back to the hotel go to work be there eight to ten hours and then we do like a team event and then i'll either like try to run again or not at all 
Um, so I had that, and then I went straight to my aunt's funeral. Um, so I was with my family for. Yeah, sorry to hear about that. And that's. that's oh, thank you. It's really sad. Appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so then we went to uh, spend time with my family for four days, and so we'd had the funeral and the viewing, and that was just like a very. I don't want to say complicated, but it was kind of like a tug of war on my heart in a way because like I was trying to grieve, but I was also trying to be as much there for the rest of my family because uh, we are all just really struggling with it. Um, it was like a very big loss in my family. She was definitely a pillar. Um, and then I went, <laughs> then I went straight to Sears and Al and I raced and, um, yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't do anything different, but it was definitely hard during the race because I felt like I I just realized that I, like, hadn't really grieved. And so during the race, it almost, like, I just, like, started crying <laughs> during the race. And it was just really hard because I was training for that race for so long um, in, in conjunction with OCC. But at the same time, like, I didn't care. Like, I, I realized in that moment, like, the result didn't matter as much. Um, and so it was just about, like, getting to the finish line. And so I kind of, like, fell apart mentally during the race. And then, you know, post-race, you just get caught up in, like, shit. Like, that wasn't the result I wanted. I felt like that didn't represent me. And so it was just, like, this tug of war. But it's like, no, like... <laughs> You, you had something that you, like, had to deal with. Um, so, yeah. So, then... <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I mean, thank you for sharing that. Because I'm sure others have gone through something similar, whether it be a race or, like, just finally getting away from everything and, and having a moment to actually reflect and think. I mean, it, it happened to be during a big race for you, but, uh, I mean, that's part of a whole different process you know yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah it was uh it's definitely like a surreal moment because i i like take a lot of pride in in being a very consistent racer and so there's kind of like this this outlier of a like experience you know just not like as a runner but as a person um and it just happened to be during <laughs> one of my yeah big races um so, yeah, I, I, and so <laughs> I guess, like, you know, all of that being said, then I had, you know, 10 days in between, and then I was racing OCC. Um, and so I would say for, like, four or five days after that race, so about half of the time between I had, I just mentally was really struggling with, like, how is this going to go? obviously that results not who I am, but that results on paper. Do I, uh, like, obviously like I need to talk to people, but like, how do I share this experience? And, you know, I think what ultimately it came down to is I just had so much love and support, just not like from my family, especially cause they, they knew what they, they were with me obviously right before the race. And they knew what we were all experienced collectively, but just like my fellow, racers and you know friends and and uh, acquaintances throughout the sport like i just was really really taken aback and uh grateful for all the messages i got and so it took me four or five days but then 
like I immediately started turning the corner and uh, my partner came out, Mike, which was immediately helpful as well. And so I would say it really wasn't until like three days before the race that I was like, all right, let's effing do this. Like, I'm just going to show up and, and do what I can and like have fun. And uh, in a way, like my experience this year is now like re solidified like why in the heck am i doing this <laughs> like when it comes down to it like really why am i doing this um so yeah sorry that was a really long answer so <laughs> no i i think that was that was really uh well well spoken i mean i i find and i i would speak with you regardless of your results you've been on the podcast two or three i think two times this is your third time now like I I want to talk to to runners regardless of their results, but I've I've truly found even if my heart's in the right spot and want to and I I want to talk to someone, um, especially with the elites, they they don't want to talk about any of the bad experiences. They really want to talk about the good ones. So I, I respect you a lot for taking the time to go over the races that didn't go great because it's relatable we all have bad races and it sounds like you were going through so much so i mean i'm glad you got that bad one out of the way and i want to hear about race morning night of night before the race yeah. good night's sleep <laughs> you get some amazing uh, local food in tell me more about like night before and then morning of the race yeah. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think vulnerability is important in our sport. Um, yeah, OCC. Uh, so the night before, we decided to um, stay closer in Martini because it's we start in... I feel so bad. I feel like I haven't called this the right thing at least once. Uh, Ossiers, Ossiers. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> To all the French people out there, I'm so sorry. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, so that's where we start. And so um, from Chamonix, it's like a little over an hour drive. Uh, so we decided to stay a little bit closer because uh, I, um, one of my very big strengths and maybe at times potential vices, I love sleeping in until the possible last moment. Um, yes. That allowed me to sleep just a little yes. bit longer. <laughs> um and so, yeah, we went the morning of and, you know, I ate two croissants and oatmeal and it is just so funny. I'm going to say this because I feel like maybe some people have seen it and not said anything, but I had like this thing in my teeth all day <laughs> and I told Mike I, and seeing all the pictures and videos of him, like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, I didn't see because you were like running past me. Um, but I was like, that's from one of the croissants because I had two croissants in the morning, <laughs> which I think is so funny. Uh, uh, we need to, if any listener has uh, a close up photo, yeah. well, <laughs> I'll share it if you send it to me. This yeah. this is pretty reliable. This has happened quite a few times. Um, so funny. Well, it seems like that's the right fueling method, apparently, right? Yeah, when in France. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love croissants. I'm sure many people do. But it's uh, it just like felt like what I needed along with the oatmeal. And um, yeah, got to the race start. I kind of just like warmed up maybe like 10 minutes or so 
uh, it's kind of interesting, but on race mornings, like I'll decide in the morning, like how much I feel like I need. It's not like a set time each time. Um, Cause I'll just kind of feel it. I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to go. Whether that's 10 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, and, so you'll yeah, actually jog before the race. Yes. See yeah. that that's a concept I've seen elite like road marathoners do beyond that. It's just so beyond my, my comprehension. Um, I, I, I warm up in the first mile or two personally. (laughs) That's fair. That's totally fair. It's such a middle of the pack mentality, but I love it. That's how I am. (laughs) It's a long way to go. So, so you, you're warming up, like what's going through your head? Nervous Uh, or feeling good? Like, yeah, I just was really calm, you know, and I was just finding, finding joy in, in the, uh, what's it called? The humor in things, you know, because um, I just think it's so funny what we, we all do. We take ourselves very serious. <laughs> yeah. And like I was in the corral and I just remember kind of just like chuckling to myself and I'm just like, we're all just like bunched up like little sardines and like it's going to spread out in a moment. But, you know, everyone has like their gear and their things and, you know, these things help us make like make us feel special which we all are and um (laughs) yeah it's just (laughs) and then you have the music and i heard some billy eilish and i was like wow billy eilish that's an interesting choice for a start line (laughs) so are in the warm-up are you like are you the person with like the crazy stretches and like (laughs) <laughs> leg movements and like you're twisting the pretzels and stretching and like not not for this one um no i would say i'm pretty i'm pretty classic i'm pretty og i'll like do a jog some strides and you know stretch up like do like a a quad stretch and then pull my knee to my chest but not doing too many crazy things when i'm at home and doing workouts yes i i do the pretzel and the worm and all the cool things <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's calling out for a film yeah. um so your perspective on life's changed you're in a corral and you're you're cracking up and you're like seeing you, your view on reality's changed right yeah it's a. Uh... I think, yeah, I think it it was it was setting me up for a day that you know I wasn't taking myself too seriously. Like obviously I was gonna push myself and, and give it everything that I had, but I think it was just uh, almost like a mental exercise or or way of putting me in a way that was so present in that it's like. We're all going to have this collective experience, but at the end of the day, like you're going to sit most with like your own experience. And so, what do you want? What What is the framing of my experiences, Danny, that I I want to have and and would like to have? And so, for me, like having had, you know, this this death in my family and the the coping and struggling with that, and then you know, experiencing really just such a surreal experience at Sierra's now. I'd never experienced so many uh, extreme emotions in one race before that weren't just, you know, pushing and and joy and excitement. It was also grief and despair and 
like loss and it was like this whole another depth of emotional fly, flywheel that I'd never dealt out with during a race so coming into OCC I was just like let's let's bring this in and really just focus on having fun and it, you know I'll have expectations but the expectations aren't going to be like on my sleeve like the expectations are out in the universe don't think about them just kind of like move with intention and and have have a, a fun race yeah i mean tell i mean tell me more about the start line i had a question but then i i also pulled up your photo and yeah you definitely have something in your, your teeth <laughs> <laughs> It's I've like, never, oh. I've never missed the follow-up question because of something in some. <laughs> I hope everyone. Oh that boy! Now. I was laughing so hard uh, when I saw. We that. should name like the uh, the episode something about that. Um, yeah. No, but I mean, within the first mile, are you sensing like this could be a good day, or are you? Because sometimes I'll have three or four miles where I'm like. Oh boy, like I had too much salt in the week leading up and like I got to essentially sweat it out before I can start getting leg turnover properly. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look back at it and I think it was a blessing. But when we started, I just like had no oomph in my legs. Like I felt like I was already kind of going my um, max. But then, you know, I looked at my watch and I'm like at a point now where when I do uh, like depending on the uphill, etc. Like I kind of know what paces are uh, top like redlining. And I was like, oh, we're actually going a pretty good clip. So me feeling like this isn't absurd. Um, it's not how I want to feel, but it's not crazy. And so I kind of just like went into my gut and my, my body telling me like, no. Um, I think also subconsciously, and I kind of chuckled with a couple competitors or, or friends more so off the star line. I was like, yeah, it's going to be a long day, right? <laughs> um, They're like, we don't speak English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> long day in the office. Sorry. Right? Uh, <laughs> and someone else, I was like, yeah, good thing we have like six hours of this, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think subconsciously too, like my body was like, hey, like no need to, to feel like you're going to already be on the line. Um, and so I probably felt like that all the way to Champagne, but also like I had a very clear plan that I would not run any of the like super steep grades yet that I would leave that to later in the race. So I power hiked a lot. So yeah, just a lot of the field was gone and I was just amongst, you know, other mostly male runners. And I was like, dang, all the women have left the building. Um, but I'll just keep doing what I feel like is the best best decision for me right now and have fun with it. Um, and so every time I saw somebody, I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, as the race went on, I just started leaning more and more and more into, you know, using all the energy I had, um, which ultimately got me onto the podium. Sounds cool. like a really smart race. Um, Thanks. <laughs> like... Like, very, very humble, like, I'm not going to say surprising for you, but most people go out pretty hard, like, regardless, if if you have the engine like you do. Um, 
So it's interesting. That's the perspective you took. If the listener doesn't know about this race, like just what's like the 30 second kind of background on the, the course layout, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, not, not, a, not at all. Um, so OCC is one of a handful of races that occur during the famous UTMB week in Chamonix. And so there's a couple of shorter distances that they've added in recent years, but like of the kind of like four headliners. It's the big four. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. How I describe it of the eight, eight races. There's four that are like big time. Exactly. Kind of like the marquee events. And it's been cool because like UTMB used to be the marquee event. But I would say, like, in the last three years, they've really elevated OCC, CCC, and TDS to kind of, like, approach and be closer and closer to UTMB. Um, And so, OCC is approximately 55K, so 35-miler for all the Americans out there, (laughs) and um, has, uh, like, 10,000 feet of climbing. Dang. Yeah. I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, it's quite a bit. And they changed the course this year, so there was, like a middle section that was a technical kind of rolling ridge line uh, so that cool. people think it added like 15, maybe 20 minutes, depending on like who you were and like where you were in the field compared to previous years. Yeah. And, and so you start off humbly, you're not You're power hiking, you know, like that's probably all I could muster up myself. Um, where, Where's all this competitive side of you coming from? Why, why are you so interested in testing yourself against, like, you know, you're looking at the relativistic kind of fitness level of yourself. Where, where does that come from? Uh, I don't Is that newer? Know. I feel like that's, you weren't it, this competitive last year when we talked. Yeah, I think, I think it's just each year. I think I've always been competitive. It's just kind of come in swells. And, um, like, my parent, I, I honestly don't know. Because I thought it was, like, a nurture thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my parents have <laughs> very much confirmed to me it was not a nurture thing. And it was a nature thing for me. And I just came out like that. And, like, <laughs> this desire for, you know... Uh, perfectionism and being a perfectionist they're like you just were always like that and I was like are you sure and they're like yeah like and they said that it was almost when they would give me feedback I would reframe it in my mind of a way like Danny do better um so yeah I can't really I don't really know where it came from to tell you the truth but yeah um I definitely like struggled with it before being like why am i this way um and i've learned to embrace it in its different forms yeah i i mean i think it's i think it to a certain degree it's really healthy uh it keeps you motivated it's a it's a motivational factor that if you lose it i mean it's a big loss honestly um but yeah, we, we have the same mind. I'm looking at like 18 iterations of something I just worked on today to try to make sure the, the logo is right. Um, so <laughs> I love that. I totally relate. Marianne's like, quit sending me these damn updates. <laughs> like, like, like I just, 
Okay. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> um, at, at what point do you start running in the hills? Like, what mile are you on? When do you start increasing the cadence and starting to climb and push? Yeah, it was... Um, so we went up to Champagne, and then there was kind of like a really fast downhill. And uh, <laughs> I feel like this is my dirty little secret, but at the same time, I've shared it so much that it's definitely not a secret. Uh, <laughs> but like usually in like the first part of races, I don't actually like let go that much on the downhills. This is definitely something like in the future I need to get better at letting go, but for whatever reason. Um, so I got past like a lot on that first <laughs> downhill, <laughs> but like I was totally okay with it. Like every time a woman passed me, I was like, yeah, good job. Like, you know, I didn't want to be like, see you later. Cause you don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, I was just kind of like, okay with that kind of like yo-yoing. And then the second, um, what's it called? The second climb is when I started to actually like push a little bit on the climbs, but it still was like not, not turning the knob of like energy for me quite yet but i wanted to test the field like i wanted to see how at least everyone around me was doing and if they would like go with me so i like pushed a little bit and then again on the downhill like all of them caught me again you were just painting you were painting the rocks like episode the first episode we we had you described just painting painting the trails with your feet (laughs) exactly i was just out there like cruising um which again i need <laughs> you're like to bob running. you're like the bob ross of trail running yeah uh. <laughs> and uh everyone passed me again and i remember that and i came into Trient, which is like like 14 ish miles or so and there was two comments that will forever be in my mind because i thought the downhill was really fun and you know like i saw some people i'm like hey and they're like race like you should be racing <laughs> um but in Triant, there was one friend of mine who he lives in France. And um, I feel like I can share it at this point. But I was like, hey, how far is the podium? And sarcastically, I, I'm telling myself he was saying it sarcastically, but he's like, too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, cool. So you're not even going to tell me how far they are. <laughs> and then I went around the corner and my partner, Mike, was there. And I was like, hey. And he, he gave me the down low. He was like, yeah, first is like 15 minutes ahead of you. Second and third are like right on our heels. And then in front of you, there's about, you know, fourth through 10th. And they're all within like two to two to five minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then the next climb is where like at that point, like I was just going to push the rest of the race. So then I like started to really build into the momentum and um it's pretty cool um but like on that strava segment so i think it was from like 14 miles up and over uh to the col de blom was just like the half at 20 miles of the race um i got like the kit or the kom or whatever and i was like yeah that definitely paid off for me which was pretty cool um yeah that's that's when like danny the spy comes out like the (laughs) 007 version of Danny comes out and you just start mowing people down. I mean, were you like hyper competitive at that point and just like it's time to fuel like the adrenaline and just you're going after the podium? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. It was kind of like, no more yo-yoing. Uh, we are done with that, Danny. <laughs> Time to like really start going and like committing. So, you know, every woman I would pass, it was kind of like pass with intention and pass like fiercely. Faster past them just to mentally like break people. and. Yeah. I also think though, like, I mean, another just hilarious thing about our sport is like you pass people while hiking and so it kind of <laughs> can be like <laughs> oh, uh, underwhelming. I've experienced that before. It's like, whoa, she's making a move. And Most like, melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so funny. Um, and so I was passing a lot of people power hiking, but what I would do is like, if it was a hiking spot, I would hike and then I would just run as soon as I could, like manage a run so that they can see that I was moving well it was so it was, it was mine it, you were mine gaming them <laughs> yes, yes i tried right. to get, so the the guy that was in charge of the press fan i was trying i i dropped um mind effing yeah. and he looked at me and his english was okay but he didn't know what the heck i was talking about and then i tried to explain what was taking place in the field right now um it did not translate. He he probably still thinks I'm the weirdest person. <laughs> Mind effing doesn't translate. So so there's um a lot of a lot going on here. You're going from like eleventh, and then you're crushing this climb. Do you have another climb coming up, or is this the last one? No, there's still like. There's one small climb, and then you still have the last climb of the race, which still is, like, at least, like, 1,300 feet of climbing. Um, is this UTMB CCC trail? Like, that no, same after Trent? We go to Left Leger, but we do, like, a lower climb than they do. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, and, and so, are you holding back at all, or are you fully committed to just putting yourself out there yeah definitely fully committed it was kind of just like i think at that point we are 15 miles so roughly two and a half hours so i was like all right we still have over at least three hours of racing probably more at this point when when i started making the move and then when i moved into fourth i knew we still had like 14 ish miles to go about um but I was just committed because to me, that's you're in the last like third of the race. Um, and that to me is like when a lot, if someone, if someone wasn't like, if someone like overextended themselves too early or wasn't fueling or staying cool, just doing like all the other things besides racing, if there's anything that they were, they made a mistake on to me, the last 15 miles was where those mistakes could be capitalized on. Did you go in wanting to negative split or trying to negative split? Definitely. Yeah. That was a game plan. Yeah. Or at least just like, you know, trying to be as even as possible. Because in these races, if you can stay even, then that's still pretty dang good. Um, But yeah, going into the race, I had planned to make a move on that spot the entire time. Nice. Um, You were disciplined. You didn't get caught up in the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, how much pain are you in? Cause I mean, it's hard for most, most of us. <laughs> I mean, 
middle back of the pack to comprehend like what it feels like to have half marathon to go with probably 2000 feet of gain or more. Um, like, are you in pain or are you, are your feet and legs numb at that point? Like kind of give us some background on that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's a very good question because yes, I was in a lot of pain pretty much for like the last 15 miles, but like, at the same time, that's what you train for. And so, like, to me, if you've done a good job at training, like, when you get to this threshold of pain in a race, it shouldn't be like, I've never experienced this before. This is new pain. I think maybe there's some of that in, like, the last 10% of the race, and then you decide how you want to respond to it. But with me, you know, this is just slightly over halfway. Like, this was a type of pain that I I have felt before. Um, it's like a, a good friend of mine. So I was able just to like, you know, hold hands with my pain friend and just, (laughs) uh, skip with them for as long as possible. And then I, then I felt a whole new set of pain, which, you know, talking to (laughs) Uh my coach was expected because like, I've never ran, I've never ran this far in my life. Like it literally is the farthest I've ever ran in my life. And so going into the last five miles, it was definitely like, oh, my body has never done this before, and I, I felt it. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but um, I definitely did. And then the superficial pain was, uh, it's everywhere on social media, so it's totally fine. But I was wearing prototypes from Hoka, and <laughs> this part is this part might be as hilarious as the food in my teeth. But um, I'm like, still looking at that picture. <laughs> Um, I'm a seven and a half and prototypes only come out in eights. And so the shoes I wore for the race were actually too big for me. Um, and so as it got hotter on the downhills, like my feet were kind of shifting the entire race a little bit. Ooh, uh, so they started getting quite Ooh. hot. Yeah. Luckily Ooh. I only came away with one blister, but like the bottom of my feet just felt like hot, not because of the, the prototype, like the prototype was amazing. It was literally just because I decided to wear shoes that were too big for me. Um, I thought that might work to your advantage, honestly. Some swelling. Um, So it's really weird what you just said, because I have, I just read a quote from a friend who's on like SEAL Team 7, and he said, um, he quoted someone, "We, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. You literally just said that. You, you've learn that through experience it seems like with the level of pain and how you actually handle that situation it's through your training that you can get through it i thought that was fascinating that is a really good quote yeah 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 so i feel really bad for you and your one blister you should never do a 200 (laughs) um just throwing it out there and So how's the last climb go? And then most importantly, we're talking to you because we want to hear about your downhill descent. Um, so the last climb was, um, it was crazy because I, I felt like I was doing a really good job with my hydration and my eating the entire race, but the last climb still like, I came up just a little too dry and I think I still had, I think when I felt 
like I really felt it, I still had like 20 minutes of climbing ahead of me is what I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and my vision just like was really going sideways, but I just passed, um, the woman who was in third, who was Allie Mack, um, a fellow American in the race. Who Good was runner. Crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And so I'd passed her, but I was kind of, it was like bittersweet because I'm like, yes, I'm in third, but I knew she was in the top three and I was kind of hoping we would pull off two Americans in the top three. And I was like, dang, you know, I love my, my Spanish uh, friends and competitors. I really was like, dang it. I wish Allie was in the podium with me instead of uh, my other friends uh, just to get that American presence in there. So I like, you know, thought about that for a couple of seconds and I was like, all right, let's just keep going. Let's hold on to this podium spot. And, um, I knew the Spanish women were coming back. Um, so yeah, I honestly, like, I felt like I was like blacking out, but I was so hyper-focused in the moment that I was just, I felt like I almost was, had superpowers and I felt like I was so hyper-focused. I was just looking at like grains of rock as I was power hiking that last part. Um, you were like, you were like freaking Spider-Man out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a single hair goes up and like yeah. you can sense it. That's um, wild. So like, is your vision actually like tunnel vision? Yeah, totally. That's exactly it. And everything feels like it's moving real slow. So you're like next level, like pain cave flow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I would agree with that. And it's a beautiful just- place to be if you're on the downhill. Yeah. yeah. Are you going up or down? I was going up and then I finally got water at the top, which helped me. But, um, yeah, like looking back, I don't think I should have felt like, I think if I had felt slightly better on that uphill, maybe I could have caught second, but you know, it is what it is at this point, because then when I got to the top, I did, that's probably the only aid station I rushed. And it probably was the well, one of the main aid stations I shouldn't have rushed. Cause I just took like one water and I grabbed some cake <laughs> off the table <laughs> and uh, stuffed some cake in my face. And then I just start going. And, um, like, the downhill was just, it was quite long. It was five miles, which, like, I knew it was going to be long. But when you're running it, you're like, dang, this is still a very long way to go. Um, so I kind of just was, you know, running as fast as I could. But I don't think I was running the best I could if I had just Boy, gotten like a little bit more water and food. Was was the cake good? Did it meet <laughs> expectations or was it like bad, like overly like, floury? Like, I don't know. It was like dry, swirly, swirly pound cake, you know? And I feel like when you're in the, the um, urgency of an aid station and you feel like you need to go, like you just go with what looks the best. And I was just <laughs> exactly. like, cake. Cake is is what's going down right now. So you but looked just, over the whole aid station and of everything there, you're like, <laughs> yes, swirly yes. pound cake. <laughs> yes. And then could you feel the croissant in your teeth when you're drinking the water? Or <laughs> no. okay, <laughs> sadly no. Keeping it professional. Um, <laughs> so five miles uh, into the finish line, is that what you said? Uh, yes, and then. And then, yeah. And so I think I ended up closing 30 more seconds on the last downhill. Dang. Um, which, like, considering how I was feeling, like, I think was still pretty good. 
Um, but yeah, now I'm, you know, I, I am really happy, but I definitely have been, I've thought about 62 seconds, uh, a few times here and there now (laughs) and how that's not a lot of time over a, a six hour or so race. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm just really hungry to go back and, and see that to it, that I can do it better and faster. What was going through your head when you crossed the finish line? Were you tunnel vision, spidey senses, like, into the finish? Or were you, like, just emotionally shot? It's the longest race you've ever done. Yeah, I think I was just really, really happy. It was kind of interesting because I had a lot of, um, like, of the Hoka team who had seen me pretty much from like when you go over that last bridge and then you run into town and um a lot of them were like man if you had another k or so like you could have caught her and you know you always want to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and they're like you just looked you looked really smooth coming in or you looked strong um but then i think it just goes back to like the training and stuff and i think it was just like so much of the training was quality that, you know, even when I looked or I felt like I was dying, like I still looked okay. Um, but that's all to say, like when I came into the fish at finish, I was super, super happy. I was like, shit, like I just got podium and, um, like it, it all paid off, but also, um, I was able to like push through like so much, I guess it was like, six or seven miles where I wasn't feeling very great, you know? So to like be able to push through that and hold on to the podium spot and feel like I was closing on second, that all felt amazing. And then I felt like it was kind of a, uh, not like you're about to die, but just a lot of stuff went through my head and I just felt really grateful, um, for a lot of people. Yeah. So it sounds like you had pretty good perspective throughout the entire race. And do you think this is another breakout performance? Because I got to find a different title to the episode. I can't keep <laughs> naming this breakout. Like, you can't break out every year, okay? Like, yeah. you got to calm, calm down. <laughs> Stop breaking things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's partly because the race is so big, you know? And uh, being an American on the podium, I've checked the results a couple times, and I'm pretty sure I'm like the first. I thought I was the first woman, but I'm pretty sure I'm the first American overall to podium at this race. So that's been whoa, yeah, because we've had a lot of podiums. I knew it was rare, but I didn't know it was that rare. Wow. Yeah, we've had a lot of. Obviously, we've had winners of UTMB. We've had podiums on CCC and TDS. Um, but not in OCC yet. So that's, that's really cool. Um, it's coming. I I know it's coming. (laughs) And I think you're, you're, it sounds like you're one of the very first. It's really awesome. And I mean, to be honest with you, if you had taken 10th, I'd still, I have reached out and said, great race. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm really proud of all the, the progress you're making. And I got one last question for you. What, what's your big takeaway from the trip, from the race, from life, 
from your perspective on everything changing from having another huge breakout what's what's your big takeaway uh from from all of this I think it's just like giving yourself the space and almost, I want to call it like trust, but also allowing yourself to embrace your own, your own path forward because, um, yeah, to me, when it comes down to it, I guess if I'm really honest, like I, it's hard to say in this <laughs> sorry this is hard to articulate but essentially it's like to me it wasn't crazy what I did like when it came down to it because I personally know it's been like a lot of years in the making I would say definitely the last three years with like a lot of intentionality of like doing what it excites me and what fuels me and just being very patient with myself and not feeling like I needed to have done something like this three years ago. Um, and just having like a, a steady progression. And so I feel like just like trusting your own journey along with the help of, you know, those who are closest in your circle, I think it's just probably the biggest takeaway. It's like, it's paying off, you know, all these small chunks of change that I've been putting in the last couple of years. I love it. I mean, it makes total sense. You're not hugely surprised because you, you've picked it up in training like for years now. Like, it, I love it. Um, so best of luck to you on, on whatever next race or races that you go after. Um, definitely stay in touch. We can't we can't talk like once every <laughs> other year. Um, even if you want to co-host an episode or something, please stay in touch and most importantly, where can we follow you on social media since your your partner's like amazing photographer, videographer, like um t- tell the listener where we can follow you on social. Yeah, thank you. Um you could on Instagram it's uh Dan underscore yell underscore a. So Daniela, which is my name. And then I also have a website that's danny morenocom um, which you can get to through my Instagram, but those are probably the two places I'm most active. Yeah. Well, we, I really appreciate your time. We went long, but I couldn't cut off that conversation. It was well worth the extra, extra few minutes there. So congrats on an awesome year and, uh, please stay in touch. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rob. And that was episode 215. Big thank you as always to Danny. We'll have her on again. Maybe have her co-host an episode with me here soon. Big shout out to you show sponsors, Exoskin, Canary Outdoors, both big supporters of all the film work and everything else. Thank you to you Patreon supporters. You've already heard this episode early. If you want to support the podcast, you're enjoying it, definitely check that out. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.